Today's podcast is brought to you by the Ashbrook Center. The Ashbrook Center is an independent center at Ashland University that teaches students, teachers, and citizens what it means to be an American. Ashbrook's new book, 50 Core American Documents, tells America's story from the founding through the 20th century using original historical documents. Get your copy of Ashbrook's 50 Core American Documents today in the iTunes store or at 50docs.org. That's 50docs.org. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is uh, Philip Terzian, the literary editor of the Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast on the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. And this week we are looking at the December 1st issue of the Standard. Um, And as always, I've tried to put together a selection that will uh, uh, not only meet with your approval, but uh, actually make you uh, realize after you've closed the issue that um, added a little something to the sum of knowledge and your enjoyment of the standard. This week, our our lead piece um, is a fascinating essay by Gertrude Himmelfarb. Um, it's entitled Culture's Champion, and the subtitle is On Rereading Culture and Anarchy. Um, Gertrude Himmelfarb is... Um, I suppose, in the interests of full disclosure, I should point out that Gertrude Himmelfarb is, of course, a distinguished uh, historian of ideas and historian of uh, Victorian um, uh, history and and culture, um, and is also the mother of our uh, equally distinguished editor, Bill Kristol. Um, And she has written a fascinating essay on Matthew Arnold's great book, Culture and Anarchy, which was published in 1869 and is one of the great um, expositions on the role of culture in society and the the status of culture in, in what then was <clears throat> modern society and what we can still extrapolate to some degree. It's, he's still looking at society, even though it's 19th century society. It's, it's appreciably different from um, the medieval and, and classical world and and so Arnold's views on on culture and and um, society are, are still very applicable to our our modern time and I don't want to I don't want to try to characterize um, B Himmelfarb's um, uh, evaluation of all this but she gives the book a very interesting and insightful reading, and also puts it through a kind of both a personal and a um, uh, historical lens that readers today will interest. I I hope, among other things, I mean, it's a a wonderful essay to read, um, written with uh, very admirable lucidity and, and, and style, but if nothing else, I hope it might prompt some readers to actually take up uh, Matthew Arnold and take up culture and anarchy, which, uh, despite the unhappy reputation of Victorian literature in the public uh, the public mind, is actually a, a, a great book and an interesting book. And Arnold is a very interesting figure. And Gertrude Himmelfarb's uh, essay, "Culture's Champion," is as good a doorway to the whole subject as I can think of. Uh, the next piece we have in the section is about a, is a, a, an approximately 180-degree turn. It is a 
It's a book entitled Valerie Solanus, The Defiant Life of the Woman Who Wrote Scum and Shot Andy Warhol by Brianna Foz. Um, this is a quirky book that intrigued me partly because, um, of course, Andy Warhol is best known, for, uh, um, <clears throat> apart from his, his visual art, he's well known for his offhand remark about in the future everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. And um, it's often forgotten that in the summer of 1968, a, um, a feminist writer and a woman with obvious mental disturbances who had been a kind of disappointed camp follower of Andy Warhol actually shot him in June of 1968 and wounded him quite severely. Obviously, he lived. Um, the event itself, I remember vividly for various reasons, but it, it was to some degree overshadowed at the time because a day or two later, uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated in California and the shooting of Andy Warhol, and of course Andy Warhol lived, and so the shooting of Andy Warhol was to some degree subsumed by by that um, historical event. But it's an interesting book. Um, Valerie Solanus um, was born in 1936. Uh, clearly she had signs of mental disturbance early in life and probably was schizophrenic. Died in 1988 at the age of 52. And her life is fundamentally an unhappy and one might say tragic one. But in between, she um, she had a a kind of gypsy-like upbringing, but um, went to the University of Maryland, became a writer, um, uh, emigrated to the Greenwich Village of the uh, early 1960s, the sort of Greenwich Village of late Beatnik era and early Bob Dylan era, and became a fairly well-known um, writer and polemicist and playwright. Um, her writings and, and declarations and fictions were increasingly bizarre, but um, that, of course, often doesn't stop people from achieving some notoriety. Um, and, of course, the climax of all that was her shooting and wounding of Andy Warhol. And, of course, after her um, trial and brief incarceration, she um, her life kind of had a long, slow, sad diminuendo as the 60s evolved into the 70s and 80s. Um, but like many such lives, it's a kind of mirror of the times and a kind of instructive story. And the author of the review, Charlotte Allen, is a is a, an acute and close and I think perceptive student of that world and certainly a chronicler of the culture wars. And she gives the book a and the life of Valerie Solanas a very sympathetic um, reading and I think I think you definitely learn something from reading Charlotte Allen's review which I would like to commend to you that is followed by a, a kind of fascinating piece on a wholly different subject um, by J.E. Lendon John Lendon is is a uh, a much admired and rightly admired professor of um, uh, history at the University of Virginia who specializes in the classical world um, I suppose with a, something of a subspecialty of um, military history in the classical world. The book under uh, review is entitled Masters of Command, Alexander Han Hannibal, Caesar, 
and the genius of leadership. And it's actually, um, uh, J.E. London's review is actually an interesting description of, I mean, we know a little bit about what, uh, you know, those of us who are not in the armed forces, we, we, we know a little bit about the essence of generalship and what, what military commanders do in World War II and Korea and Vietnam and in the Persian Gulf and in Iraq and Afghanistan and else, elsewhere. And we know um, what the demands are on them and what they have to, what they have to, the, the things they, the problems they have to solve and the, the subjects they have to master. And it's a kind of interesting education uh, in, in J.E. Lennon's review about how this differs from what uh, classical generals, uh, Greek and Roman generals, uh, and or Carthaginian in the case of Hannibal, um, dealt with. How the the demands on military commanders were very different. How the daily lives of armies, how armies subsisted, how they fought their their great campaigns. It's very different from the modern world and different in a way that we can hardly imagine. And yet, of course, as is always true with the classical world, we have these wonderful writings by the chroniclers of the age who, who really bring that, that, that very alien world to life. So it sounds like an interesting book. And, of course, J.E. Lendon's um, essay is especially interested. That is followed by um, another review on a completely uh, different topic. Uh, by Sophie Flack, uh, who usually writes about dance um, for our pages, but um, she reviews a very charming book um, by a writer called Matthew Gilbert called Off the Leash, A Year at the Dog Park. Um, Mr. Gilbert lives uh, in and around Boston, and the book is actually a chronicle. He has a, he seems to have a yellow lab, and uh, and there's not too far from where he lives, and in Brookline, Massachusetts, there's a dog park where he takes um, his lab each week. And it's a charming book about two things, really. One is how um, the relation between Mr. Gilbert and his lab has transformed him as a human being. We can't quite be sure what effect it's had on Toby, the dog in question, but we know how it's affected the author, Matthew Gilbert. And the dynamics of the people who show up every week or every day or whatever the case may be to walk their dogs in the in the dog park. So it's a charming book. Um, I happen to be a dog lover myself, and so I tend to be I, I tend to understand how people anthropomorphize their dogs and how dogs become members of your family and can become a a very real and close companion. But this looks like a, a charming. Uh, rendition of that age-old theme, which uh, Sophie Flack captures very nicely in her in her piece. That is followed um, by two more pieces. One is a uh, an essay which I um, very much commend to you. It's entitled "Born to Rant," and the subhead is "The Temptation is to Laugh at Bruce Springsteen and His Admirers." The author Ryan Cole. Um, there aren't too many um, taboo subjects, I think, in our society, especially nowadays. But one of them has got to be um, taking a less than reverent attitude toward Bruce Springsteen. And Ryan Cole starts with some illustrations of the the 
essentially worshipful tone with which Brian, uh, Bruce Springsteen is always treated, um, and not just by rock critics, but uh, by politicians, by journalists, often by people who ought to know better. And he very deftly um, compares this with the the sort of banality of Springsteen's uh, lyrics and, in, in my view, the kind of a dull repetition of his music, but it, it ends up um, into a uh, delightful and trenchant uh, essay um, which suggests that when you behold Bruce Springsteen and listen to him, um, you're tempted to conclude that the boss has no clothes. So whether you're a Springsteen admirer or not, I commend the piece to you just, just as a as a way of deciding just exactly how you feel about the subject, which is um, followed by a review of a show that's here in uh, Washington, actually, at the Smithsonian Museum of American Art. The author of the piece is Tara Barnett. The show is entitled A Day in the Life, Artists' Diaries from the Archives of American Art. And it's one of those, one of those um, things where artists have produced um, uh, objects of interest without perhaps realizing it's it's um, diaries of, of people who are best known for their um, visual representation of things um, but it involves um, diaries um, from uh, the last few centuries in American history as well as uh, contemporary artists um, colonial era art um, early 20th century as well as um, artists today um, and it's of interest partly because the unique way that visual artists set down their experiences and record their emotions and thoughts and of course as you might imagine their 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 diaries are are the text is interesting for the insights they give us into the artists themselves but of course as you might imagine they're 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 usually profusely illustrated which um, other diarists are usually not able to do so successfully. So it sounds like a very interesting show, and, and Tara Barnett has written a very interesting um, piece about it, which I think, if you're in Washington between now and the beginning of March, you will be induced to go see. So that is the Books and Arts section for the December 1st issue of the Weekly Standard. I thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.